Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is the first episode of Station to Station, our summary podcast of the latest Blue Jay series. Our intention is for it to be 10 to 15 minutes in length, but the discussion you're about to listen to definitely got carried away. We'll try to be more concise next time. Our weekly Blue Jays pod, after the kids go to bed, will continue and be distributed separately. Going forward, it will have a deeper focus to provide more analysis of the games of the prior week, whereas this show will merely summarize what happened during the previous series. We hope you enjoy this episode and welcome all of your feedback. Back with Dustin. Uh, Station to Station is going to be a quick 10 to 15 minute summary of the series that just happened with the Jays. Uh, something that's easy to digest. So we're going to jump right in. Dustin, we did talk about game number one. We were pretty hyped about it on Thursday. Game number two, uh, not quite what the Jays had hoped for. And uh, I think one of the weirdest situations um, and pitching performances I've seen uh, with basically the the Cardinals uh, starting pitcher not really being able to throw a strike. No, the the Blue Jays didn't take any uh, opportunity to take advantage of that. That's what you know, for me, the story of the game was. I, I would definitely agree that I, I do think that right away they realized that this, this guy cannot throw a strike. So we're just going to be super patient. And I think this is a, I think this is a trait of, you know, good ALE, AL East teams take a lot of pitches. They, they usually have a, a certain plate, um, Basically, they have a certain plan when they go to a plate, and they, and they can be patient and take pitches. But um, it seems that as, as many pitches as they took and as many walks as they took, and six of the first 12 Jays batters actually walked. And I believe there was also a, uh, one of the, another, uh, another player got hit by a pitch as well. Um, so mm-hmm. there were only base runners and absolutely no hits at all. Um, and one of the, the, I guess, things I noticed from this game as well, they, they, they flashed up, um, you know, the, the traditional scoreboard. And it was, and it was quite a diversion of, of kind of reality versus what the scoreboard said. And um, the, the, really, if you uh, didn't watch that game, you saw the scoreboard, you would have thought the Jays had no runners. They were completely hopeless. And... Um, really were not threatening at all when really um, the only thing that was missing from the Jays were um, some contact and basically a ball through the infield. Yeah. I mean, they had the Blue Jays had 10 walks in the game. Um, if you look at the, the pitching line from flatter, he's like five innings pitched, seven walks given up zero ERA. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, the story right there. Um, and it's kind of a story that we've talked about a lot with the Blue Jays over the last, let's say, five years is their their ability to hit with runners in scoring position. I'm not so sure that's going to be a problem this year as it was in the past. But how, how do you really go about improving that? It's, you know, is that is that a is that your mentality when you go to the plate or your approach? Like, it, it really... Um, you know, I guess the, the circumstances that you're facing, you know, are a little bit different, but uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I struggle with, 
you know, how a team actually goes about, you know, fundamentally improving that particular stat rather than, you know, like we know other than just having, you know, good hitters in your lineup. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I, I think I would, I probably struggle with it as well, just as much as you, I, I think the, there's a couple things that might go into it. Some of it might be just luck and, and just, you know, statistical anomaly, but I think some of it might be the, the ability to put the ball in play rather than just try to hit the home run. I think that was probably the problem, at least in my opinion, previously. Um, a lot of the team, you know, was, is just looking to launch the long ball. I think the team as is constructed right now is, you know, set up to be better from that front. That's why I said I don't think it's going to be a problem. You know, I mean, what we saw happen in game one, where they're hitting – you know, all over the field, left, right. It didn't matter what, you know, side of the plate you're um, hitting from. You're hitting to the opposite field, up the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think that they can improve. I think, you know, overall they're going to be better. But it's just, uh, for me, I think it's just luck and uh, approach. I think the makeup of the team, as you kind of touched on, has changed a little bit. Um but I also think that that comes with, with coaching as well. Right. And, and maturity, you know, we, we, you know, a bunch of our players are, you know, smack in the middle of their twenties and um, you know, they, there, there's a lot of ability there. Um, and hopefully with some maturity, the, the understanding to, you know, I, I have to get this bat on this ball and get it somewhere rather than I have to hit it over the uh the fence and and don't get me wrong home runs are you know chicks dig the long ball right everyone <laughs> dig the long ball so you know the, and and that's been a, a hallmark of this team but it definitely seems like maybe the approach will change it and and i think um accepting the fact and and i i think a lot of people and and fans especially forget this is that you know if you're as successful a third of the time in baseball you're probably one of the better players so Really, yeah, that's Hall of Fame. Time, yeah, exactly. Every time it get Hall of Fame. So, so really, if you're successful one third of the time, that means you're gonna fail two thirds of the time. And you know, you're not every time. You know, you get runners in scoring position. You know, the goal should be to obviously score them, but you know, you're you're not gonna do that all the time. You're not gonna probably even do that fifty percent of the time. And um, I, I think that's something that probably people have to remember a little bit, but, uh, touching on another, I guess, I don't know if it was a theme, but definitely, uh, something that stuck out was, um, one mistake against a good team that leaves the door open. And then what a good team does is absolutely kick down that door. And, yeah. you know, um, Mr. Forgotten, you know, we, we haven't mentioned him in two episodes, Mr. Matt Chapman. <laughs> Um, he's outstanding defensively, but he had one, one mistake and that one mistake essentially, uh, basically opened the door for, um, the cards to, uh, to, to essentially win that, win that game. They scored multiple runs in that inning. Yeah. Very rare mistake from Chapman. He couldn't get the ball out of his glove, you know, on the first stab at it and he had to juggle it a bit and just couldn't make the throw. 
wanted to go to second because that was you know there was two out. That was the easy. Right. That was the easy force. And and as soon as he bobbled it, he you needed to go to first because you obviously there's a there's another force there. And right. He yeah he he overthrew it and it was uh, it was not a good throw and and that just kind of opened the door for uh, for the cards to to seize the opportunity. Um, unfortunately, you know the uh, the vaunted Jays offense um, wasn't really able to recover on that day, um, even though uh, Kevin Gosman I, I, he seemed to have a uh, he seemed to have a good appearance. Um, yeah. And why don't you why don't you go over his uh, his pitching line? Sure, yeah. So he had uh, six innings pitched. He gave up eight hits and three runs, but zero of those runs were earned. So he ended up with a zero ERA and seven strikeouts. You know, more than one strike on an inning. That's really good. Um, I don't have the you know the Babbitt line, but I think that if we did look at it, it you know, it would definitely show that he had some bad luck um, with the air uh, and a lot of uh, kind of bloops and blops, you know, landing in. Game number three. Uh, so we have Chris Bassett uh, taking to the mound. And uh, I, I personally did not watch the game, so I had to go over some recaps, some highlights, and um, he had a, a remarkable performance for very different reasons than um, I would have, I guess, hoped when uh, I got up out of bed this morning. Four home runs given up. <laughs> the first pitch was a solo home run. His third pitch was, a, was another solo home run. Um, and later on in that inning, there's another... A two-run home run. So basically, by the you know the Jays have already batted by that point, but the, but by the time they've got their second opportunity uh, to swing swing the bats, they're already down four nothing. He definitely seemed to struggle with this this pitch comp system, and and it really had me scratching my head. You know how this wasn't kind of worked out. You know in spring training, like it just seemed it just seemed like they were still trying to figure this whole thing out and and you know it's fine that this is this is um a new system that uh is supposed to help you know keep sign stealing to a minimum but you know if you're having trouble with something i would think you would go back to you know what's tried and true and maybe chris bassett has uh starts to have a personal catcher like alec manoa does i don't know but i think jansen uh, will be i think jansen will be that yeah. I think, I think, like I was saying, like Bassett's in particular is going to struggle with going back to the signs and then the pitch clock. That's the reason why Bassett is the one with the pitch com and he's mm-hmm. clicking the button. I want to throw this. He's got seven different pitches. So like, he, you know, imagine, imagine trying to go through seven signs and, you know, to find the right one. With the with the traditional finger kind of system, so right? that's not that's he's not going to be able to to pitch within 15 seconds if he has to do that. I I understand and I would agree with this. I I do I you know I do think though that a lot of it just seemed like a lot of the um, 
stress of of having to deliver to having to decide a pitch and to deliver a pitch like i think those are you know some sometimes they're you know mutually exclusive where i where i think you know a catcher like you know obviously you know they bring some defensive abilities to um to the game but part of it is reading the game and and calling mm-hmm. pitches and here's what i think we should throw you know it just seems like this system maybe to me better suited to okay the pitch clock's running down hey mr catcher this is what i'm going to throw rather than you know him telling the catcher what i want to throw you know i, I don't know it, it seems like maybe he needs to give up a little bit of control on this but maybe this is also something just yeah. as uh kevin gosman um batting average on um balls in play maybe this is something we have to keep an eye on throughout the season as well I, yeah i think so i think jansen's got to learn chris bassett's repertoire he's going to learn his like just what he wants to throw what he's comfortable with so that he can make that selection and maybe they can go to that system where bassett struck uh trusts um jansen to put the the sign down that he wants or at least get within the ballpark one or two, you know, one or two pitches, and then he can just not have to think and just trust the catcher knows what to do in this situation and, and execute. That might be the case. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Kind of dive a little bit deeper into this pitch comp system. Um, so the, for, for those listening that are, have never heard of this system or are not aware of it, it's a wireless communication system used in baseball and the pitcher can request pitches without signals. So it was approved in the 2022 season, and the intention was to deter sign stealing and quicken the pace of play. And, and the quicken the pace of play, um, what that ties into is when a runner is on second base, usually the catcher will visit the mound, and they'll switch the sign. So that's you know another right. 30 seconds or whatever. Um, in reading about Pitchcom, I, I noted that the technology was originally developed to provide cues for magic shows. <laughs> I would have really? never guessed that. Um, but what I do find actually actually interesting about this system, and I and so like, I do prefer a traditional signs system, and I, I do think this is, could be something auxiliary. But what I do find actually interesting is the system has the catcher and pitcher on it. But it also has three other fielders with um, some kind of, I guess, um, that something that gets the signal, and it's actually worn inside their cap. So you could have people in the infield, uh, outfield, whatever, you know, so that you they're aware of, I guess, what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so uh, it seems uh, the. Pitchcom system was used in spring training, and the pitchers weren't actually sure if it was going to be approved in the regular season. And right, I guess maybe in the week leading up to the regular season, it was. So here we are. We're using uh, Pitchcom. Yeah, I think um, I think it kind of came in last year, partly because of the anticipated pitch clock change this year, because it mm-hmm. it is you know kind of works with it to help uh, speed up the, the sign delivery, get on the same page um, and, and all the, you know, sort of sign stealing prevention reasons you talked about. 
And yeah, I think I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, having the infielders know, okay, he's going to throw an inside pitch here. I'm going to shuffle over a little bit, you know, towards the first base side to make sure, you know, because he's likely to pull it or whatever. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a good use of it too. I think that's great. All right. So taking out, uh, wrapping, wrapping up this series, um, do we have a, do we have a player of the series? Um, for me, my player of the series would be uh, Dalton Varsho. I think we talked a little bit about him last time saying, you know, he's going to be that kind of guy that everyone loves. And I think he's, uh, shown it here he had uh two hits uh sorry one hit in the first game i think two hits today a couple rbis i think he's kind of locking down that fourth spot and showing why he belongs there how about you i uh i definitely i definitely like uh dalton bar show and i and i and i can't even tell you why i i just I don't know. It, it's like he's just a fun ball player to watch play. Mm, um, so yeah, it's something about him. So I'm, 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 you know, generally, obviously, I'm a Jays fan, but I'm like generally like rooting for him as well um, in all this. But uh, my player of the series is Matt Chapman. So Matt Chapman, this series, six hits, two RBIs, uh, one walk, two runs, and. Going into the series versus the Royals, he has a 500 average. Um, so it, it, him and uh, Bichette, uh, Bichette basically, I think probably offensively were the two best players. But I'm, I think we're gonna give, I think Bo Bichette's gonna give some, get some player of the series awards from me in the future. So I'll give it to Matt Chapman for the opening series. That's definitely a good choice. Yeah, Chapman really. Uh showed what uh what he could be you know we can i think we missed out a little bit last year i think he had a little bit of a down year but this year's a uh contract year for him he's got a lot to prove i think he's gonna see a lot more uh player this series from matt chapman as well how how about um some players that uh aren't looking too hot and who are off at, off to rough starts any any players that come to mind um we talked a lot about Bassett, but I think uh, I'm going to go with Belt. Yes. I think Brendan Belt, you know, struggled. He had a number of opportunities in Saturday's game to uh, hit home uh, a few runs there and get some ribbies, but, uh, you know, he struck out and, and just looked disappointing out there. I think people, you know, I'm seeing on Twitter give him a lot of hard time. It's early. I wouldn't give him too much hard time, but I think he needs to, uh, improve a little bit. Well, and and definitely to, uh, with today's game, we saw Kirk as the designated hitter. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the, um, this Royals um, series plays out. You know, I, I definitely think you got to give a player opportunities to get you know to get out of um, you know if they're in a little slump or they're um, having a rough time of it. Like the only way to get out of that is to actually play and uh, and you know swing the bat, but. One of the stats I think I'm going to keep an eye on with Brandon Bell is how many strikeouts he has this year, because uh, <laughs> so far, uh, so far he is striking out at an alarming rate from what I can see. But um, we'll see. Right. He's coming off of a, a pretty sizable knee injury and and subsequent surgery, and I think 
you know, us, us laymen that walk around, you know, we, we just assume that these, uh, you know, the, these superhumans that play professional sports just heal overnight or in a few months. And it's very possible that while he says he feels good, that he's still, you know, working his way back to really being um, the player that he was prior that prior to that injury. I, th- I think that's entirely possible. And uh, it's we're talking about baseball at, at the, the highest level, and um, I don't I don't know if you come come back from an injury, you know, and and really uh, your performance is back to what it uh, what it was uh, as quickly as a lot of us may hope. Yeah, I think you know we're gonna have to get used to seeing Brendan Belt strike out. It's just the way it is for the last two seasons. He's had more strikeouts than games played in both seasons. So um, that's at least once a game, right, on average. So, but, you know, I think he's he's got a big bat. He hit a lot of home runs in 2021, I think 29. Uh, he's he's going to do some damage. And, you know, maybe he ends up toward, more towards the bottom of the order. We'll see. But uh, another kind of wait and see kind of situation. Well, and, and one player, um, before we do a mini preview of the Royal Series, one one player that I think uh, probably flying under the radar right now is is Kevin Kiermaier. Um, and, and I thought he quietly had uh, a good series. He had, he, uh, he only played in, he played, he started the first two games and uh, he ended up with four hits and one run. So, um, you know, he's not a player that we're depending on his bat for. But if we're talking about a player who's just going to be, you know, productive at the plate in the in the nine hole, I, I think that really just uh, is going to benefit the team when you have, um, you know, Springer, Bichette, and everyone else behind him coming up, uh, coming up in games. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited about seeing what he can do. Um, you know, not only in the at the at the plate, but in the field. So. Uh, well, I I might even buy like I feel like when I you know I haven't been to a Jays game in in, in quite some time. Uh, I feel like I, I I'm I'm generally a person who buys tickets in the infield, but I feel like mm. I want to buy outfield tickets just to to see uh, Varsho and Kiermaier kind of you know in action, right? Um, yeah. You know what's cool? They have now. I think this year they came out with the they have the whole. Um, outfield, I forget what it's called, the outfield areas. There's a couple of them on multiple decks. And you can now buy standing, basically standing room tickets, $20 tickets. You don't get a seat, but you can go to any one of the kind of the outfield bar they're areas. Them, they're calling them outfield neighborhoods. That's right. So, yeah, you can, 20 bucks gets you in, and you can hang out in the outfield neighborhoods, have a beer, Walk to the next one. Go up, you know, see Varsho over and and right, and see you know, Kim Iron Center, and you know, heckle the opposing uh, pitchers in the bullpen. You know, so that's that's pretty cool. Definitely, I think I think the sky, you know, the sky. Don't, I'm I'm still living in 1998, but um, <laughs> but I I think the Rogers Center. You know, you know, we all. Um, we love it, we hate it, and everything in between. But really, I think the renovations that are happening right now are really just bringing the ballpark up to what other ballparks 
have essentially. Um, you know, I've I've been to some other stadiums in the states, um, particularly Camden Yards, and um, you just have features like this. You know, you, you know, not everything has to be you know seats, and um, other areas for you know people to wander up and grab a beer and you know hang hang over the rail, um, and you know, and and before it was you bought a seat and wandered over there. Now that you can actually buy uh, just standing room tickets, I think is, um, I think is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. I bought, I bought some tickets actually today for the uh, Boston series and Canada day weekend. I'm going to take the family out. Haven't been to a Jays game in a, a couple of years with COVID and everything. So I'm excited to check out the new park for sure. All right. So let's talk about the, upcoming series uh so we have four games versus the royals um why don't uh why don't you start by giving us a little background on the uh the kansas city royals so they're kind of a a mini rival to the blue jays um we faced them in uh i think was it 2015 2016 around that time we had some uh some pretty contentious games with them but this year well, last year they were basement dwellers. They finished bottom of their um, division. They're not expected to do much better this year. Um, they have a, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild. They have a couple promising young um, players that if everything goes right, if everything clicks and they all stay healthy, then, you know, they could probably do some damage um, and, and maybe be a wild card, you know, team at, at the ceiling, I think. But for the Jays, I think this is a kind of going to be an easy four games. I hesitate to say that. Knock on wood, nothing's easy in in major league sports. But um, compared to the the cards, for sure we can uh, get back some wins and get back in the uh, positive win column. So in terms of uh, pitchers, we're going to be rolling out. Um, so tomorrow we have Barrios, uh, Tuesday Kikuchi, and then uh, the Rotation comes back around, so we have Manoa and Gosman uh, finishing out that series. Um, what um, do you have a prediction on how the series is going to go? I'm going to say three for four, three out of the four wins we'll get. And um, I'm hopeful for Kikuchi, and then we got Manoa and Gosman at the end of the series. I think those are as lock as you can get. Well, I I would definitely agree. I, I think. Picking three out of four games is, I think, a somewhat of a safe pick, but I think that's going to happen. I would say it's early in the season, but I would say I think you need a minimum of a split from this series. And, oh, at least. Um, it, anything less than that, and I think not to, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that really subscribes to must-win games or, or whatever. Like, this is, this is the professional level. Really, there's pressure to win every game, right? Now, with with baseball and being so many games, you know, there's always one tomorrow. But uh, I think uh, I think they have to get a split out of this. Uh, but I, I'm reasonably optimistic that um, the Royals are not the Cardinals, and uh, I think uh, I think we're I think we're looking at um, a series win um, out of this one.
Thank you for listening to Station to Station here on Organized Chaos Sports. We'll be back on Friday morning to wrap the four-game series with the Kansas City Royals. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend that you think may enjoy it. Until next time.